I like to make dishes that that wow my mom. My mom's a foodie, and and she would take me around the island looking for the best fungo. See, we went to this cafeteria, for example, and she always ordered the veal brains with a tartar sauce. So I, I created this is a veal brain marinade for her. They had a blue crab tartar sauce on the bottom, veal brains out on top, and then a black butter using like a, like a brown butter with squid ink. When she ate it, then she put it in my mouth. She was like, "Oh my gosh!" She almost cried. The mofongo it comes from me and her looking for the best mofongo all over the island, and I and I think I, she, I created the best mofongo she ever had. So, but that one for me and the, what I did to it because of eating mofongo all my life from Puerto Rico. It's like, and I'm pretty sure I make the best mofongo ever. Amazing flavor is an amazing human who has perfected their craft. Welcome to Flavors Unknown, a series of inspirational conversations with renowned culinary leaders. Discover how their cultural identity shapes their creative process with your host, Emmanuel. Welcome to the latest episode of Flavors Unknown, the podcast where we delve into the world of the culinary arts and the people who make it happen. Get ready to savor the flavors of success and creativity as we welcome Chef Jose Mandine from Miami to the show. I am your host, Emmanuel LaRoche. I have been in the industry for more than 20 years, both in Europe and in the US. And every other week, I have genuine conversations with acclaimed chefs, pastry chefs, and mixologists from around the country. I apologize in advance for any sound quality issues in the intro and outro of this episode, as I am recording on the go without my usual equipment. Please follow us on any podcast platforms and on social media on Instagram and Facebook at Flavors Unknown. From his childhood in Puerto Rico to his culinary adventures in Spain, Chef Mendine has made food his life's work, blending and mixing flavors from different cultures to create something new. From Pabili Sushi to Casa Isola and Rivertail, Chef Mandin shares his sources of inspiration and creative process for developing menus. Join us as we dive into the Miami food scene and learn how Chef Mandin's leadership style has evolved over the years. Aspiring entrepreneurs and chefs don't miss out on Chef Mandin's biggest tip for pursuing a career in the culinary arts. Foodies, you will love all the delicious flavors created by Chef Jose Mandin. My son Alex and I love our dinner at Publi Sushi in Miami Beach. So grab a fork and knife and let's get cooking with Chef Jose Mandin. Okay, hi Chef, how are you? Very good, and yourself? I'm good, thanks. Welcome to Flavors Unknown. You grew up in, in Puerto Rico, and I'm curious what food and smell that reminds you and of your childhood. That- Criollo cuisine, my mom. You know, Puerto Rican cuisine is a lot of basin and sofrito. It's a, it's a mixture of peppers and garlic and cilantro and culantro. And those are the bases. And, you know, those, those smells, you know, the, the smell of, I remember always Christmas, the lechon asado, you know, the crispy pork and all the variety of fried foods from the, from the island and the beach. Those are my most memorable, you know, always smells and, and, and flavors that I remember of growing up that, for me, are Puerto Rico. Okay. And, and the foundations of me as a, as a chef, very, very bold flavors and very unique cuisine. So 
Did you ever incorporate some of those like smell and taste memories in your oh, food? Yes. Yeah. Do you have an example, for instance? Uh, well, it depends on what you're cooking, you know. And and I, you know, I'm more known for Asian cuisine because I they work for you know a lot of re Asian restaurants. I don't want to get into all of it. If unless you yeah, we're, we're going there. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> most the most thing I say is that every time I do something, it has to be bold. It has to be memorable. I don't like cooking just just to do it. You know, I want everybody to eat the food to remember what they ate from me. You know, like any any, any dish that I cook has to be. So in Puerto Rican food, is it's a lot of both flavors. So I incorporate some of that when I'm cooking that kind of cuisine. Now I have. Put some of this in my in my dishes sometimes, you know, when I'm creating, when I'm cooking other other cuisines. But it's not to make it a, fus a fusion. It's, to, it's just to give it more more flavor. Have you done the sofrito though? Because uh, it's a base that could be it, adaptable. You, it, yeah, but that 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 flavor always going to remind you of of Latin cuisine, of Puerto Rican cuisine mostly. And so you know, I can incorporate that unless I'm doing some Filipino adobo or, or something like that more. But I can incorporate that into Japanese cuisine, or I can incorporate that to Italian cuisine, you know, because yeah, it's, yeah. It, those flavors. South American cuisine, yeah. because you have sofritos in other parts. Yes. And even the miapua from France yeah. is close. Yeah, but I've mean, I, I, I done it with Brazilian cuisine, uh -huh. you know, and, and stuff like that. And you're talking about Christmas memories. Is a coquito from yes. Puerto Rico as well? Yes. Were you allowed to drink that when you were a kid? I'm <laughs> sure my mom gave me something so I can, you know, snuck out. <laughs> <laughs> And she can have fun. Okay. You made your food, like food, sorry, your life's work. So why? I enjoy doing it. I think it comes to the, from the beginning, me leaving college. I had a scholarship, a scholarship for volleyball and I lost it. I got, I left the college and I went back to San Juan and some friends of mine were going to culinary school and I started cooking for myself when I went to college and I, I enjoyed it. So the dorm was smelling sofrito? So yes, <laughs> especially the, the first ingredients my mom gave me to cook in the dorm were, were I, okay. red, the red beans. Yeah. That, that has a lot of sofrito. Red beans, yes, yeah. and, uh, and that's the, definitely the base. Not for the that. black beans, the red beans. The, right? No, in Puerto Rico with the red yeah. beans, Cubans uh -huh. eat the black beans. Yep. So definitely a lot of that smell in the dorm. <laughs> but then I came back to San Juan and I told my dad that I wanted to go to culinary school and thought I was crazy. So he, he, gave me, he gave me a choice. He told me he will help me out if if I show him I like working in a restaurant. So he got me a job in a restaurant, and at the minute that I was in the restaurant, even though I didn't know much, I just enjoyed being there. I couldn't I couldn't wait to go back to work. I couldn't go with, to go and, and and do that. So when you enjoy doing something, then you know you make it your life work. I guess you know try to be the best at it, and because that means you're gonna have, live a very happy life if you wake up every day doing something you love. I say this. Uh, get mad because I, at the morning because I had to go to work. You know, I, I enjoy coming to work. I love what I do. Okay. So this industry is particularly impacted with people influence others, influencing others and mentors and so on. So I'm just curious, what was your, like the people that influenced you the most, like in your career? Oh, definitely. Number one, I would say when I worked at Turnberry here in, in Aventura, Todd Wise, And, and the, the kitchen at Turnberry, that they were the ones that gave me my foundation and my basic going through the stations of a hotel and, and working through different parts of the restaurants and, and, and banquet and seeing, you know, what a busy hotel is. 
And then, you know, Anobu, when I got started to work at Nobu, Thomas Buckley was my biggest, I think he's my biggest mentor in my whole career because he, he's the one who took the time to teach me about the Asian ingredients and, and, and the Japanese and all that. But he always had the, you know, he comes from working from chefs like John George and Daniel Bolut. So he had that French and European technique. He opened my mind of like, oh, you, you can work with Asian ingredients, but you don't have to, you don't have to stick to the, the way the Japanese, you know, the old Japanese technique, you know, you can, you can braise shore and you add soy and mirin, you can incorporate, you know, the dry shiitakes into a demi glass. And, you know, like he showed me to open my mind about, about cooking Asian cuisine, especially we will focus more in the hot kitchen part of it, not in the sushi, not the, the sushi is different. It's a little more. But then, you know, they have the Peruvian influence. Nobu has so... Uh, he, I think, yeah, yes, yeah. He, I think he, he became so popular because he made, he made Japanese cuisine very, very interesting and very exciting. Okay. Because you went to Johnson & Wales, correct? Yes. Obviously, you had like a, a classic French techniques. Yeah, know? the school gives you a, a base and foundation and mostly discipline. But they don't teach you the real way of of a restaurant. They don't prepare you for working in, in, in a restaurant. What's missing? Then? Let me let me just put what it like this. That? Yeah. When you're going to find a job mm-hmm. in the kitchen, nobody asks you for a diploma. They only care about what you can do. So the way you learn how to do in the in the kitchen, the way you learn how to, you know, be good in the kitchen is by working in the kitchen. And I, I was lucky that I don't know why I the whole time I was in school, I was working. I would go to school in the morning and then go to work at night. So I got both. But definitely the school gives you the, the discipline and a base that, that yes, it, it, it helps you in, in your career. But don't think for a minute that because you graduate from school, you're going to be, you're going to make it in the kitchen. I guess the new generation. <laughs> no, of, don't believe the commercials. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> I was saying like, I guess for like the new generation of cooks that comes out of school, plus watching like all the cooking shows on TV, they probably believe that life is easy, correct? It's going school to be a great you, career. School can give you a lot of things. It give you the discipline. can give you the connections. It can give you the base and foundation. And yes, there's a lot of teaching that goes you know, into learning about French and, and other cuisines that you, that you learned through school and, and the butchering and the base of the stocks and sauces. And, but it's not going to... It's not going to... It, it secured your success in, in just like any other job, I think. You know, you have, you have to put the rest, you know, in, in a lot of effort and work. So you're talking about French technique and Japanese techniques and blending those elements as well with Japanese ingredients or Asian ingredients and so on. Do you have, you have some, that, like that's, an that's example? What Thomas, yeah, that's what like, Thomas Buckley yeah. taught, me, taught me. Do you have an example of something that you remember of first time that you learned how to maybe integrate balancing, you know, Asian ingredients and, and French techniques? I can give you one dish that is, is, is very memorable for me when I created it. And I was working in Spain and I learned a lot of Spanish cuisine. That's a lot of French technique in Spanish cuisine. But Spanish f- flavors are Spanish flavors. And I created this tiradito with a, a romesco from, of lemongrass. So instead of making a romesco, roasting tomatoes and, and hazelnuts and, and peppers, and making a sauce out of that, I make it from using lime juice, lemon juice, tom yum paste, which is grinded ginger and lemongrass, and I and in, incorporate hazel, hazelnuts to it, and I I do roasted peppers, morrones, 
and some, uh, you know, pickled onions and serve with the fish. And that's a, when you take, you take all those flavors in, you feel like you're eating a, a more briny and more light, fresh romesco. Okay. And what kind of fish do you do with that? Doesn't matter. Uh, I, I do amashi. Amashi. Yeah. So amashi crudo. Well, you can do, you can do any, any fresh sashimi okay. style fish. Okay. You mentioned that you went to Spain. How long did you stay there for? I stayed in Spain around seven, eight months. Okay. Uh, well, about. Where, where uh, well, I got, I got invited to go to work with a chef in, in Valladolid. And, you know, that's very close to Rivera del Duero and, and great wine. And it's Castileon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great wine, Castileon. <laughs> yeah. And so I got to work with a lot of chefs from Castileon. Okay. In different, like more, I will say classic, you mm -hmm. know, more traditional places. But then I, I went to Madrid and I work in a, in a two Michelin star restaurant called El Chaflan. Juan Pablo Felipe, uh, rest in peace. Uh, he was a chef and it was a very, very tough place to work. It was a uh, very fine dining cuisine, amazing cuisine. I learned a lot there. You've been yelled at a lot? Yeah, yelled at. I think what's it getting paid? Work for free. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I learned a lot in Spain, a lot of the flavors and a lot of techniques. You know, in that time, it was this, uh, this was 2003, you know, the modern cuisine from El Bulli was coming mm -hmm, up. Mm -hmm. and, and it was... It was amazing experience, but you know, I wasn't getting paid, so you know, I had to come back. <laughs> Anything else that you learned there? That uh, you um, know, when you were in Spain, something that I worked at. Uh, I worked at Maison Candido in Segovia. Okay, and they're very famous for the suckling pigs. Mm -hmm. So I learned the master, the, how to master how to cook a, a baby pig. You know, uh, and this, they, they are. I mean, and you can Google them and, and search, research them. It's, it's it's very very it's. Been generations they've been doing it, and that was very interesting. But I learned like a lot of the bases of, of you know of traditional Spanish cuisine. I got to go to the Congress of Chefs in San Sebastian and got a bunch of classes from different chefs from Europe that came in from Italy and from other places. So I had to work with a lot of famous chefs. I got to to do catering in New York with them for the Prince of Spain. It, it was a very for for a kid that was my age, twenty four years old. 23 years old, whatever it was, it was an amazing experience. Okay. Would you recommend that for any young chefs then to find inspiration while traveling and, oh, yeah. and travel Definitely. as much as they can? That's, that's one of the perks of, of, this, of this, uh, this job. I mean, is that you get to travel to learn. It's not everybody is lucky to do it. You got to obviously know you don't want to find yourself in a financial situation, but I've been lucky enough, you know, that, that that I got the invitation with the room and board and food, and then I had some money saved up, and I got to travel a little bit. So definitely, you know, the more you absorb as a young cook, and then when it's your turn, you know, you're going to create your own style, the better it's going to be. How would you describe your style of cooking? Well, I will always say that it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Puerto Rican. I was trained a lot of Asian cuisine, you know, and have a lot of Euro European technique. So very, like I told you, very bold flavor, but like I use those bases always. Never leaving being a Puerto Rican and always focusing in what I'm doing, but I'm strongly a, a, a Japanese and Asian trained. And then 
have a lot of European technique because I had experience and because I know how to incorporate that into the cuisine that I'm cooking at the time. We are talking about mixing and, and mixing and matching flavors, you know, from different cultures in your create, like in your concept to create something new. Do you have like one or two examples of that you can share with us of things that you have in different menus on? And we are going to talk about your different, you know, restaurants, but just to illustrate what you just mentioned. I like to play with also dumpling flavors, you know, when I do in the restaurants. Like I have, I used to do this, like pastrami dumplings, you know, and I used to do the sauerkraut white soy to serve them with. Like, I like to do flavors that people know and then kind of, you know, incorporate it into the cuisine I'm, in, in the, in the cuisine I'm doing. Like in Pub Belly, mostly it's my most famous restaurant you see a lot of that you know it was, you will see a lot of i do like a nikkei style ceviche i serve it with tostones i do a buffalo a buffalo rock shrimp you know i you know so i like to combine a comfort like and, and flavors that people know into, into something different you know and, and then I, I like to do traditional stuff too it's, it's just it's, it's a balance you know it's not all it's a balanced flavor yes yeah. that's what you need to achieve but Now that we understand your space, which is bold flavors from your heritage, you know, like Asian ingredients or Asian techniques and then French techniques, how do you start? You know, where's the inspiration come from and how do you start like when you're thinking about like a new dish on the menu? The inspiration can come from anywhere. It mostly comes from an idea that you get. If you, sometimes it comes natural. Sometimes you're forcing it. You're forcing it because of because you need, a because technique or yeah, a challenge that you have? Like or? You're forcing it and you need something for the menu. You need to put it some. Okay, so let's say I need to have a certain dish on the menu. So you need to go to, go to books and look for flavors. And my favorite, my, my most popular role at Popoli, I don't know if Popoli Sushi, is the buttercrab roll. Everybody talks about the buttercrab roll and what the hell did I get an idea? A buttercrab roll came from We were trying, at the beginning when we did public sushi, we were trying to make a, a mock of the way sushi has been Americanized, but in a, in a good way, right? because we weren't trying to be a completely straight up Japanese. We weren't to be like a sushi tavern, kind of. So I did buttercrab roll because I wanted to do like a lobster roll, but in a sushi roll. That's why, you know, you can't dip the nori paper or the, or the, or the goma paper Uh, the soy paper in butter so you can take the roll and dip it in in, in the butter ponzu just clarify butter with, with uh, soy and vinegar and we did a lot of stuff like that when we did the tuna pizza you know like it's the light is the most lightest pizza you're gonna have in your life and that's what comes the buffalo rock shrimp and, and all a lot a lot of dishes we, we did little sandwiches with like spicy tuna and stuff like that But when, when you have a concept that you have to that's why I you force yourself to make things happen And sometimes ideas just come, you know, it could be from anything. Is this one, one dish particularly that you are the most proud of? I will have to say it's my mofongo. There's a couple of them, but my mofongo, I like to make dishes that, that wow my mom. <laughs> I <laughs> wanted to ask you that. Because <laughs> my mom, my, your mom like tasted it? My, my mom and me, when, when I was a kid, we were, my mom's a foodie and, and she would take me around the island looking for the best mofongo. And I knew that see, when we went to this cafeteria, for example, and she always ordered the veal brains with tartar sauce. So I, I created this uh, veal brain, a meunier for her. They had a blue crab tartar sauce on the bottom, veal brains out, on top, and then a black butter using like, like a brown butter with squid ink. And, and when she ate it, she put it in my mouth, she was like, 
oh my God, she almost cried. The mofongo, it comes from me and her looking for the best mofongo all over the island. And I think I, cre- I, she, I created the best mofongo she ever had. So I, that one for me and the, what I did to it, because of eating mofongo all my life from Puerto Rico, it's like, how can I make the best mofongo ever? And I'm pretty sure I make the best mofongo ever. So anything that you can share about this mofongo? Well, I can share. I don't care about it. But I put a lot of pork belly. But I confit the pork belly before I fry it. So it's really nice and tender and corporate with the plantain. And then I serve it. With, I like to eat. Some people like to eat the mofongo with the rats, the criollo red sauce and the lobsters and the shrimp. No, I like the mofongo by itself with the broth. So I make this broth with roasted chicken bones and I add a little bit of ginger and soy. And it makes the perfect broth dips well and it's one of my favorite dishes that I ever made. You know, Pabelli, obviously with sushi, with the, you know, Asian influence, we are here in, you could eat like Patio Isola, correct? Here? Yeah. So, which is the Italian, you know, influence. You had as well, you mentioned before, like your Puerto Rican, you know, restaurants. So, you have created a lot of, you have a, you still have like the river tail, correct, as well? Or, yeah. Okay. So, which is like seafood? It's a more like a, it's a more American seafood house. A lot of my flavors incorporated into it, you know. So how do you pick, you know, the adventure uh, that you want to create, you know, well, with the, well, the river, river tail is a venture with the people from the wharf. It's a group from Miami and they're good, very good friends. And they approached me to help them create the menu. And here, like the Italian concept. And the Italian so. concept, well, uh, it's a, a joint venture with Santo. You just saw Santo Agnello. Uh, he is from Brooklyn. His family is from Sicily. And we got to work together a little bit. And we always talk about doing an Italian restaurant together. Like I, I wasn't trained in Italian food. And, and basically, me and him, we've been having a lot of fun in the kitchen, you know, creating Italian food. But all comes from the basis of his, of his cooking. So I just add to that and his roots cooking, which is very traditional. So you will see a mix here of mostly... American, Italian, American cuisine with some Sicilian into it. But again, in your face, Italian food. Very, very delicious. So are your concepts equally based on like interesting taste adventure as well as like human adventure, like people that you have established like friendly relationship with and People that you are working, you know, it seems that there's a strong human connection in, in everything that you just described. Yeah, there's, I mean, I've done many concepts and it, it, it just depends on, the, on, on what the ask is, if, the, if I can do it, if I can help. I have consulted, I've done, you know, short-term ventures, you know, which I, you know, I've done consulting jobs, I've done partnerships, I've done my own thing, you know, I just... Wherever the opportunity. I'm having fun, just having fun. If you like this episode of the Flavors Unknown podcast, I have a message for you now. Kick off the new year with a gift to yourself and get my new book, Conversations Behind the Kitchen Door, published last November. You will receive a signed copy of the book if you order it from my website at flavorsunknown.com. So... Obviously, the industry went into the turmoil with the uh, the pandemic, and now, you know, the inflations, and that's a tough a tough environment. But any upcoming ideas? There's things in the air. Puerto Rico is is a it's a it's a place where I have some stuff cooking over there. 
in my open maybe this year not next year there's a, a lot of expansion for public sushi we have three stores sign pembroke pines boca and west palm beach oh wow those are next so how many how many sites for that will be they'll make it eight total plus one that we have in mexico city are they all like yours or is it something that you have like Always, a franchise have, as well no? have partners partners uh, any idea any desire to turn it into a franchise and open more like across the country or it's been talked about but for now because we're keeping the the stores work all, uh, you know not super close but if we, if we start going up like you know Pembroke Pines and Boga but we can still manage it so it's something that we talked about but we don't know yet we haven't decided that this concept I love Patio Isola it could be you know you know it just comes for Italian food like I said Italian American people love that kind of food I consulted for the Moloco restaurants in Paris and in Miami, but uh, it was a consulting and that's it. And I'm not there anymore. Uh, that was that was fun. Rivertail, you know, it's kind of the same deal. Uh, I keep helping them out with the menu. And so uh, I'm having fun. I have two concepts coming in the Julian Henry Food Hall, opening this, this, this coming year now in early in 2023. It's a, it's a joint venture also with some of my partners from Public Sushi. It's, it's going to be one is going to be a, a gyoza dumpling place called Hichi Haika, which means the hitchhiker in Japanese. And it's a, it's a, it's a hitchhiker dumpling that, that you will find carbonara dumplings, you will find chimpalajillo dumplings, you will find kimchi beef dumplings, dokal orange dumplings. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hitchhiker dumpling. That's that kind of the concept. And I'm also opening that a, old Wagyu Burger place called uh, June, June Wagyu Burgers. And also a lot of, a lot of different concepts, Anticucho Burgers, you're going to find like, you're going to find a French onion burger, like, and I, that, I'm excited for that. Those concepts, the menus are done and the, I think it's enough, no? For I think, now? yes. <laughs> you have an empire here in Miami Absolutely. and you're asking me why I wanted to have a conversation with you. Yeah. I mean, I'm in Miami, I don't find myself. I don't find myself interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are? No, it, uh, I can tell you. And especially when we are watching World Cup game. That was very fun. <laughs> and by the way, no, a great game. your Parmesan cheesecake was amazing. Oh, that's by the a, way, gonna I can take credit for that. That's uh, Pastry Chef Maria Orantes. Yeah. But that's uh, really that's good. Her, that's her recipe and... She's yeah. an amazing. She does all the pastries for all the restaurants. So, how would you describe the food scene in Miami? Ooh, up and coming fast. Yes, yes. Uh, Miami went from when I got here about 1998. It was not known for serious food. It was mostly coming in here and get robbed if you wanted, like you know, like serious food, like in the hotels. You know, it's like very expensive. There wasn't that that middle. You know casual place that was serving serious food. And that's, that's why we created Pop Belly at the beginning. Because us as, as chefs, you know, we couldn't afford to go to Delano or go to, you know, different Miss Carlton, all these restaurants and paid $30 Valley parking and then the food was super expensive. So we knew it could done because of, you know, I lived in Chicago also and, and you see all the gastropubs serving amazing food and it's, it's not, it doesn't. So, and not only that, it's, it's just a, I think there's a generation of amazing chefs coming up. And we talk about one Brad, you know, Raquel Gore and Jeremy Ford and Michael Beltran. I love Sack the Baker, what he's doing with the bakery. I mean, there's so many. I mean, what Boyade is doing. You say Nando Shang and the guy from Itamae. I mean, Diego Oka with Lamar. 
I mean, you can go on and on. Is uh, so many, so many talented, so many talented chefs that are making this city very, very, very important culinary destination. What kind of influence do you see the most in terms, like you know, because I've seen in other cities sometimes it's you know by waves and you have like different influences. So what would be, from your point of view, the the most recent influence in uh, in Miami? I think there's a lot of a lot of Asian, but it's an, like a chef like Brad. He used incorporates Asian, but he's he's an Amer- American upbringing. So there's always that, and then he has this European technique, you know. So it's very interesting to see chefs, you know, create with with their with their foundations. In Nando from Peru, but you know, he has a very good, I mean, amazing Japanese techniques. You know, Michael started with Ariete, which is, has like a lot of European technique, but he's from Cuba. You know, so incorporate some of the Cuban flavors and the Cuban, you know, roots. But now he's doing other concepts. So he just opened a French restaurant. So he's doing like straight French at a Laurel. And, you know, he has a, a cafeteria. You know, so Jeremy Ford, very French-American, comes from Jan George. You know, like, it's fun to see what other people are, are, are doing. But I don't think you can say there's one cuisine coming up. You know, I think it's a, it's a mix of uh, a lot of things going on. I was here, like during my stay here, I, I read something about like something I didn't know anything about. It's called Miami Spice. So is it like something like the restaurant week in other cities, but into like a longer period yeah, of time, so, like a month or two? So so Miami, Miami, at the end of the day, Miami is a beach town. So... It's not that we don't have enough local population that lives here year round, but there is a very long population that comes here for the cold, the cold period. Like me. Like you, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think right now the, the, the country is freezing and it's like 79 outside. So especially you see it a lot in the beach, in Miami Beach. It's a ghost town. Hotels are empty. There's not enough business. What Miami, well, the Miami Spice does and then created, and it's been going for more than 20 years, I think. And I'm a big believer in this. You know, it's two months of every restaurant has a $35 menu, three quarters, the restaurants that sometimes people cannot afford in a, in a, in a, in a, in a regular basis. Now these people are going out and having three or four of them a week because they want to get to try all these new restaurants or maybe they're too expensive or whatever. But at the same time, I think you get to reach out other other audience because it's so well promoted all over the town that some people that may not they don't know about my restaurant will 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 read somewhere else because the Miami Spice gets a lot of promotion done to them. So it's a great promotion. I, I'm a strong believer. Some chefs like it. Some people, some chefs don't. You why? Know, some people believe. Why? Because some people, some chefs don't like you know going out out of the the menu prices just for for people to come and. And just try. So I, I always been a strong believer in it. I, I, we put a lot of effort and, and we want to give people a value. We don't, we just give you just a field green salad and, and a, and a bad, you know, a bad menu. I want you to have, you know, you live happy. So it's, it's, a, it's a great. I actually, back in the day when I was a chef of Suji Samba, I was kind of an ambassador of it. And I went to Canada to promote it with the Greater Manchester Convention Bureau and, and, it's, it's, it's great. It's, for, it's September. It's August and September. Okay. So like the lower month, correct? In terms of uh, yeah, and, activity? And remember, in Miami, super hot. Hurricane always around. A lot of rain. So people don't really come as much 
it's a cheaper time to come to Miami, but you can plan a whole weekend and then it's raining the whole weekend. So Miami has grown so much also that, that now you have so many areas that it doesn't really, the season doesn't really affect that much a lot of places. It does affect Miami Beach and, and, the, and the stuff that is very touristy. So let's switch to another topic because every time I talk, talk to a restaurateur like, like yourself, I'm always interested into like the leadership, you know, quality and of the individual. So how, how would you describe your leadership style? I mean, I, I love to teach, but one, the one thing that people, they know about me and they like about me, I'm not a babysitter. <laughs> I like that people do their thing and, not, and I don't scream at people. I, it's just either you can do it, you don't, you teach, you teach, you teach until you say everything. Maybe this is not for you. And, you know, I, I, I give people everything. I tell, I give them all, you know, I, I teach them everything. I, I think we have a very happy, very happy team. We just had a staff party, everybody, you know. We have a really, really happy, happy individuals, individuals like, yeah, yeah. that are growing and they keep growing and, and, and some leave, some stay. It's, you know, I, I want them to be happy. I want them to be, have a place where they can come and, and they feel comfortable. But at the end of the day, there's a job to do. So you better do it on your, on your own. You're, I don't want to be behind you. You're like, it's too much. You know? Okay. No, no too, micromanaging. No, okay, no, whole, uh, no screaming. Like they screamed at me and, and throw plates at me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Hit me. Where you went Spain. <laughs> yeah, none of that. <laughs> Either you can do it or you can't. <laughs> so have you seen your style changing over the years in terms of leadership? The way you approach, you know, coaching? I see more of that because it's more people. It's hard, it's hard to micromanage, you know, and so you have to, you know, have, have chefs. I, I work more with the chefs and the chefs work more with the cooks. Before it was me with the cooks. So now I work with the, with the chefs and I, I tell them what I wanted to be done. And they go down and, and to the line cooks and then they, they tell the cooks what they've done. It's the only way I can do it because if not, I, I go crazy. Yeah, because yeah. you have a lot of yeah. restaurants that you're connected to, obviously. So if there's anyone listening who is aspiring, you know, entrepreneur and food entrepreneur or, you know, chef. So what is like the, big, the biggest tip that you can, you know, give them pursuing their career? The biggest tip is to be very realistic of what they can do and what they cannot. And I say this not to discourage anybody. It's just for people not to lose money. Do not open restaurants thinking you're going to be successful. Do not... Because more than 90% failed within the year. So when you're going to be a chef and open your restaurant, you need to be realistic of the things you can do and you cannot. You cannot be making a sauce and, and doing finance at the same time. You, you know, it's, it's, you cannot be fixing a toilet and, and prepping, you know. The, so so it, you mean like I, focus it, on your expertise and, the, and then and work with and other people for the things people, that you don't know. And be... be, be very, uh, be very sure that you cover all the things that a restaurant needs for it to work and to be successful because you can lose a lot of money very fast. Sorry to be a Debbie. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I think it's a reality check. I would call it that way. <laughs> Rapid fire questions. So you and I are going on the tasting tour in Miami. What are like the five spots that you take me to outside of your empire? Oh, yes. Well, I because we'll be there before. Already. I'll definitely take you Joe's Stone Crabs because uh -huh. it's a Miami yeah. staple. Definitely take you to La Latina to get some Venezuelan arepas. 
uh, especially the cachapa, it's just it's amazing. One of my favorite restaurants, if we want to have like a fine dining meal, steakhousey, one of my favorite spot because of the people there and and because it's a very it's a very special place for me. It's a bourbon steak in Aventura. I will take you to have a pan con biste. Enriquetas or our sandwich at Miami, so you can have sandwich. Uh, I've been there. A, a, yeah, yeah. You can have a Cuban sandwich. Yeah, yeah. you have to have the Cuban experience. Mm -hmm. And last one. There's so many. I mean, <laughs> could be a bar too. Oh, could be a bar. Yeah. I mean, I so many, so many favorite. Well, there's a, there's a really cool bar that I love it's called Swissel in, in South Beach. It's very nice. It's hidden and and but definitely also the Deuce is one of the dive bars. That's where Anthony Bourdain used to go. But you want to have a nice drink, you go to Swizzle. I mean, there's so many places in Miami. You can't put five, and I'm sorry whoever I left out. <laughs> What's your favorite guilty pleasure food? Burgers or a, a Colombian hot dog. What is a Colombian hot dog? I, I don't even know. Colombian hot dog has, has like a pineapple sauce, and has like a pink sauce, and has like a green sauce, uh -huh. and has papitas on top, and cheese. Oh, man. It's the best thing ever. And... The sausage is like the same? Or? No, it's a, it's a regular hot dog. Okay. Normal hot dog. Okay. Never had it. Okay. Interesting. You were talking about cookbook for inspiration. So what are like the three cookbooks that inspire you the most in your career? Well, definitely the number one, I would say the French Laundry. It was one of the first books that came out that was insane. Looking at it, it was just amazing. You know, I have so many cookbooks. It's, it's not, even, not even funny. <laughs> how much cookbooks I have. Yeah. That one, I love the culinary artistry. It helped me a lot in, in kind of like when, whenever I wanted to combine uh, ingredients, you know, looking at, looking at, just looking at the words. Because I'm a, I'm a person that, he said, oh, create something for me. I just, I, I, out of my head, I can, I just need to look at something. You need, you need to put okay. me in a walk. Visual I stimuli. I see the vegetables and I, I create. It's, it's, as I say, like a lot of a lot of my ideas come from books, or 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 when you tell me to do something, you tell me to do oh bullabase, okay. So, but it, it, from from I need to see the the, the words. And see a visual or the words, or I, uh, both? it could be words, or it could be visual. Okay, okay. Just yeah. I, I need something. So, in my, okay. And and the last one, I was I would have to say El Bulli. El Bulli first book. It was just, it was just shocking to see that. I, I never went. But when you see that for the first time, you're like, what the, what the hell is this, you know? So I was up with those three. Yeah, biggest pet peeves in the kitchen. The things you cannot stand uh, people are doing. Tweezers. Like your gadget, you mean? <laughs> Twizz yes, I hate tweezers. I mean, even, even I use them, but I hate, I hate working with gloves. Okay. I, I like to feel yeah. my hands, everything. Uh -huh. and, and, you know, dirtiness, I can't stand it. You know, you have to be, everything has to be clean. Beside the classics, what condiments, spices, sauces, dressings that you like to have on hand at home at a restaurant? But beside, like, you know, don't give me like ketchup, mustard, and mayo. In my dining table, there's a thing of Maldon sea salt. Oh, yeah. It's very important. We sure. finish everything with it. I have chili crunch that we make. Okay. So we put that on. So now I have to ask you, how do you make it? Chili crunch. I love chili crunch. Oh, we roast we roast the chili de árbol, and uh, we put chili garlic 
in it. So you toast the garlic or? Oh, no. No, the, the, the garlic, we put it fried. Okay, fried. Okay. Fried okay. garlic. Yep. So it's a chili de arbol. I put, and you can put other stuff too. Chili toasted. Then you grind it. And I put chili garlic. Chili garlic is a, it's a paste. Mm-hmm. Okay. Put that. Then we put fried garlic and then a raw fried garlic. It can be blanching milk, nothing like that. It has to oh, be wow. just like grounded and fried. Yeah, 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 and fry. And then ryu oil. Ryu oil is a spicy sesame oil. Okay. okay. So that's my, that's the, this is the base. And then you can get crazy and do put all the stuff you want. But Sure. Yeah, I mean. Okay. Chef, thank you very much for being on the show. I really appreciate that you gave your time today. My pleasure. Thank you. And that's a wrap on our amazing episode with Chef Jose Mandin from his roots to Puerto Rico to his culinary travel in Spain. Chef Jose Mandin has truly inspired us with his passion for food and creativity. We hope you enjoyed learning about his journey and how he approaches his craft with such dedication and flair. We'd like to extend a huge thanks to Chef Mandin for sharing his insights and experience with us today. Don't forget to check out the show notes of this episode on our website, flavorsunknown.com, where you can download the free Flavors Unknown digital recipe book with delicious recipes from more than 20 chefs featured in the book, Conversations Behind the Kitchen Door. As always, we appreciate your support and encourage us to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Next week, we will feature banana ketchup on our Taste the Future segment of the podcast. And in two weeks, we will stay in Miami and have a special guest, Chef Nodan Chang from Itamae, sharing his insights on creating delicious and innovative dishes. And if you enjoy this episode, please help us spread the world by sharing it with a foodie friend or a colleague. Word of mouth is the best way to help us reach more people and we appreciate your support in sharing favors unknown with others. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Flavors Unknown. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember that people who love to eat are always the best people. Thanks for listening to Flavors Unknown. If you've enjoyed this episode, give us a follow on Instagram at Flavors Unknown and visit us at flavorsunknown.com. Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts.